obviously we know Easter Sunday. So what's the night called? It has a name. Nobody? Oh, my. It's called Spy Wednesday. That's the actual name of it. Yeah. I know you. <laughs> he's pulling our leg. No. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> this, is, this is Spy Wednesday of Holy Week, and we're actually going to uh, look at the passage where that comes from, where the name comes from tonight. Before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come here on Holy Week. Lord, and to just lift up the name of Jesus, our Savior. It's a special time that we commemorate and we celebrate. We remember what you did for us on that Good Friday. We remember the example you set for us on that Maundy Thursday. And Lord, we remember and celebrate what you did for us on Easter Sunday. We look forward to that. But Lord, tonight, tonight, we're going to talk about Spy Wednesday. And Lord, may we always be found faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever made a decision in your life that impacted you for years to come? You have. We all have. We've made some good decisions, right? And we've made some bad decisions. You know, the best, one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire life was when I married my wife. We're going to celebrate 35 years of marriage in June. That was one of the best decisions I ever made. I have never looked back. I have never regretted it. It was a good decision. And that decision has impacted my life forever. But I made bad decisions too. I think the worst decision I ever made was that night I joined the Ku Klux Klan. I was only in the Klan for four years. I've spent the last four decades trying to make up for the damage I did during those four years. And that's a decision also which has impacted my life, and I have lived with that, and I will have to continue to live with that. Some people ask me, well, why don't you just forget about it? It's in the past. God forgave you. Just forget about it. You know, that's, that's kind of like saying to the war veteran, you're home now. Just forget about it. War's over. Don't, don't, don't let it bother you. It's kind of like saying to the rape victim, well, you know what? You survived. What's the big deal? Just forget about it. Go on with your life. I mean, hopefully we would not say that to someone like that. Those four years impacted my life because of the evil that I did. And they had an impact. 
The decisions that we make carry on, don't they? I mean, sometimes we think that we're past something, but, you know, we're never really past it because we can always remember. People ask me all the time, well, why would you want to remember something like that? Because I don't ever want to forget how I came out of it. I don't ever want to forget where I was and where God has brought me. I don't wallow in it. I don't blame myself anymore. I don't, I don't sit there and have pity parties for myself. Christ has brought me beyond that. But I don't want to forget because that decision impacted my life. It, it's part of my experience. If I had never made that decision, I would not be here tonight in this church you would not be my people isn't that the truth I mean look around it would not have happened and I am so glad to be here I love you I love you I can honestly say that I love you And I love our congregation. I love our church. I love being here. But you see, decisions have impacted your life and my life. And they've molded us. They shape us. They make us. We're going to be talking more about that just next Wednesday night, a week from now. Because I'm going to start a a four-week series. And one of the first things we're going to talk about, it's on contentment. But one of the first things that we're going to talk about is being content with yourself and who God made you to be. So we're going to really get into that. So I hope that you're here next week. Okay? But listen to this. Decisions made along the way made you who you are today. That's my theme. Decisions made along the way made you who you are today. Today, if you want to write that down, don't worry, I'll say it several more times as we're going through here. Tonight, I want to look at a study in contrasts. Two different people in the Bible whose paths crossed numerous times, who both knew Jesus, who both followed Jesus, but made different decisions that shaped their lives differently and their legacies forever. And when we finish... May you be challenged to think about your own life, the decisions you have made, and how they have shaped you, and how your decisions you're making now will shape your future. The two subjects for our study in contrasts are the lady who anointed Jesus with the costly perfume, and the other one is Judas Iscariot, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. The Judas part is where this day gets its name, Spy Wednesday. Let's look first of all at the woman. Uh, Pastor Stevens read this passage. Let me, let me read a little bit of it uh, to, your, to you. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse, starting with verse 3. 
Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had leprosy, previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over Jesus' head. Some of those at the table were indignant Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. Mm -hmm. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. Right. She has done what she could, and she has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout this world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. 2,000 years later, here we are. And what are we doing? We're discussing what this lady did. We're remembering it. Amen. And how many Bible lessons have been taught over the 2,000 years on this passage? We have not forgotten this lady. Now, we know from the other gospel accounts, we actually know who this woman was. Okay, She was Mary. Now, saying she was Mary in the New Testament doesn't really say a whole lot. Because I don't know. I guess everybody back then, you know, oh, it's a girl. Well, let's call her Mary. <laughs> there are so many Marys in the New Testament. It's hard to keep them, keep them separate. And, and the interesting thing is when the gospel writers were writing, they knew which Mary they were talking about. But that doesn't always help us. But we know who this one is. Right, right, this right. is Mary of Mary and Martha and Lazarus fame. Okay, And we see this Mary several times in the Gospels. Luke chapter 10, uh, that's a famous one. We know this story. When Jesus is over at Martha's house for dinner, and what is Martha doing? She's busy preparing things, you know. You know she's being, she's being the, 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 good, the good woman, right? You know, busy getting the dinner ready. And what's Mary doing? Where's Mary? Oh, and Martha is getting upset, right? She is upset. And she's coming to Jesus and saying, why don't you say something to this Mary? Where was Mary? She was sitting at Jesus' feet. Remember that. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. John chapter 11. Another case when we see Mary... The death of Lazarus, her brother. And when Jesus finally arrives, Mary rushes out. And what does she do? She falls at Jesus' feet. And then here in Mark chapter 14, Mary is anointing Jesus' head with perfume. But a parallel passage, John chapter 12 of this same story notes that Mary was also anointing Jesus' feet 
and wiping them with her hair. You see, the way, the way they ate back then is kind of weird. They didn't eat standing up, but they didn't eat sitting down either. They ate laying down. And you know, you know the, the wonderful Lord's Supper painting? Yeah, that's a, that's a good European version of eating, but it's not very good for the Middle East during, that, during this particular time. No, you see, what, what they did was they, they, would, they would have like these couches. Instead of a chair pulled up to the table, there'd be these long couches. And they would lay down, and they would put their elbow, whoa, they put their elbow on the table. Wow. They would put their elbow on the table and, and kind of hold their head, and with this hand, they would reach over to the table, and they would eat. And they're, they're, they're all laying out here. And this is how they ate. I don't know how that, what that does for digestion. I don't know. It's kind of, kind of strange. But that, that was the custom. That's what they did. So it's easy to see where she, 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 she poured it over his head, but it was real easy for her to get to his feet because they were sticking out from the table. Yeah. <laughs> That was easy, too. But do you see a pattern developing here? Every time we meet Mary, she's at Jesus' feet. She's at Jesus' feet. And, you know, she, she didn't care what this perfume cost. It obviously cost a lot. Some translators translate it as, as, as being equal to like almost a year's worth of wages. That's pretty expensive stuff. That's good stuff she's got there. You know? She didn't care what it cost. And, 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 and then, then the, the disciples and others around the table, you know, they're, they're like, right? You know, they're talking. You know, she can hear them. She knows what they're saying. She shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> we could have sold that stuff. You know? We could have gotten money for the poor. She shouldn't be doing this. right? She, she hears them. She doesn't care what they're saying. She keeps right on. She doesn't care. She didn't care how it looked. I mean, let's face it. How would that look? Here she is anointing Jesus at the, at the table He's eaten, anointing Jesus at the table, and then she anoints his feet, and she's wiping his feet with her hair. How does that look? She didn't care. She did not care. So what were the decisions that brought Mary to this place in her life where she didn't care what the disciples thought, she didn't care how much she was spending on Jesus. And she didn't care how it looked. She made some decisions yeah, yeah, yeah. that brought her to this place. What were those decisions that brought her? Well, let's sit down. Wouldn't it be nice if we could sit down and if, yeah, I'm British, so we could have tea. I don't drink that coffee stuff, that American <laughs> stuff. We drink tea in my household. If you come to my home, don't ask for coffee. We don't have a cup. We don't have a coffee maker. All right, all right. But we'll be glad to make you some tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Wouldn't it be nice if we could sit down and have tea with Mary? Just kind of pick her brain. What were you thinking? How'd you get to this place? How did you get here? Well, the, the reason I say tea is because tea, for me, stands for thoughts, emotions, and actions. All right. It's another way of meditating on God's word. All right. yes. Now, we start and we work backwards. We start with the actions. We can see that. Sometimes the Bible will tell us what the, what the people in the, in the scriptures were actually thinking or feeling, but a lot of times they don't. All we know is what they were doing. And in this case, that's pretty much all we've got. But I think it wouldn't be too hard to figure out what the others are. Because people are people. We don't do things that are just completely out of character with the way we feel or the way we're thinking. You see, our thoughts control our emotions. And our emotions control our actions. So if we can look at the actions, we can work backwards. It's a way of, of, of really thinking about Scripture and seeing what brought her to this place. She's always at the feet of Jesus. She's always she's there listening to him, learning from him. What emotions do you think would cause such an action? Well, obviously love, yes. right? Yes. Yes. She loved him. That's clear. Okay. What about devotion? Yes. She was devoted yes, to him. Yes. Yes. What about amazement? I think she was amazed. At his teachings, yes, at yes. his stories, yes. at what he was able to do. She knew she was in the presence of someone different. Yes, yes. Very different. Yes. And that's why whenever she was with him, we always see her at his feet. Yes, yes. Wanting to learn. Yes, yes. Wanting to hear. Loving him, worshiping him. Mm-hmm. The, what thoughts would have, have fed those emotions? What would she tell herself to generate these kinds of emotions of love and devotion and amazement? What would she have been telling herself? You know, we all talk to ourselves all the time, right? Okay, I know you thought, you thought it was just you. No, it's all the rest of us too. All right? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, we talk to ourselves, okay? Sometimes we talk out loud to ourselves. We don't need to worry until we start answering ourselves and having conversation. That's when maybe it's a, maybe, yeah. What would she have been telling herself? What would she have been reminding herself to build those kinds of emotions? Because those are the kinds of emotions that we want, right? Love and devotion to the Lord. Because those emotions led to her making some really good decisions. And we want to do that too. Do you think that maybe she was reminded of the stories she had heard about Jesus? Do you think she might have been reminded of the stories that she heard from Jesus? Do you think she would be reminded of the stories that she heard from his disciples? Stories such as 
Jesus feeding the 5,000. Stories like Jesus walking on the water. That would create amazement. Stories about Jesus casting out demons. Jesus calming the waves. Jesus opening the eyes of the blind. Jesus healing lepers. She was at the house. She was there with Simon. Simon the leper. I'm assuming he wasn't a leper at this particular time. Or they would not be sitting at the table eating with him, I guarantee you. I wonder if Jesus healed him. I bet he did. But you know how those names stick. Jesus the leper. She might have heard stories about Jesus opening the ears of the deaf. Jesus making the lame man walk. Jesus raising her own brother from the dead. She saw that one with her own eyes. Right, 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 right. right. That's good, that's good. This week. Those are the stories. Yeah, this week. That's, right. that's what you know she was thinking about when she thought of Jesus. And that stirred up those emotions. And those emotions, no doubt, impacted her actions. And so her devotion and her love for the Lord was always there. Decisions made along the way made you who you are today. The decisions Mary made was to always be at Jesus' feet. She made the decision that no matter what happened when she came into contact with Jesus, she worshipped him. She adored him. She loved him. But now let's turn our attention to the other half of this contrast. Let's look at Judas Iscariot. Mark 14, verse 10 and 11, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Jesus Iscariot is why we call this Spy Wednesday. Because that spy went out and betrayed his master. What do we know about Judas Iscariot? Well, we don't know a lot. Who was he? Let's go back to a bit of the passage about Mary. Remember when it said some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. You know, it seems to reason that some of those at the table were probably the disciples. And maybe several of the disciples were concerned about Mary and what she was doing. It sounds like it. They were talking among themselves. Wasting. Wasting. Such expensive perfume. But John chapter 12 tells us 
that whereas the disciples were talking about, about this among themselves, who was it that had the boldness to open up and speak out so everyone could hear? It was Judas Iscariot. Spoke up and he said something about it. John chapter 12, verse 4 and 6. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. Right. John, John kind of gives this little parenthesis. Not that Judas cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So now we're beginning to get a picture of Judas, aren't we? He was the group's treasurer. How how did he get to become that? Did did he volunteer? We don't know. Was he handpicked by Jesus? We don't know. Did the other disciples take a vote and say, hey, let's have this Judas guy do it? We don't know. But he had a job. We don't know exactly. What we do know is, though, he'd been helping himself to the cookie jar. We don't know really where he came from. However, there is one theory that's very interesting. It's possible that his surname is Cariot, refers to Carioth, which is a, which, which is a, yeah, you've talked about this, haven't you? Which is, which is a, which is an area down in Judea. If that is so, and that's really what his surname refers to, if it refers to where he is from, which is very likely in those days, so that's a real possibility, it would tell us something else about him. It would mean he was the only one of the 12 disciples who was from Judea in the south and not Galilee in the north. What that would mean is he was an outsider in the inside group. He was different. And you know what happens when you feel like you're an outsider? I had two brothers growing up. They were both older than me. The oldest one was David. The middle brother was Steve. And then there was me. I was the mistake in the family. My parents reminded me of that quite often. My two brothers were six and eight years older than me. They were planned. I wasn't. And they told me that. My bedroom looked different than their bedrooms because my bedroom was not supposed to be a bedroom. My bedroom was supposed to be the den. So it had different wall covering and that kind of thing. So that's why it looked different because I wasn't supposed to be here. Now that I look back on it, I realize those were not good things for my parents to say. I don't know if I was dumb back then or what, but it didn't bother me. I mean, I honestly looked at it while I was growing up as See, I'm special. I've got a different bedroom than everyone else does. 
Now I look back on it, and it's like, they shouldn't have said those things. That was not good. But, but my oldest brother, my oldest brother and I, we looked alike. He was extremely handsome. I always thought that. We had the same hair. We looked alike. And however he would wear his hair, that's how I wore my hair. All the years growing up. If he got a crew cut, remember those, <laughs> I got a crew cut. Yep. If he let his hair grow out and nice and straight, I would let my hair grow out, and it was perfectly straight. But our middle brother had wavy hair. And it bothered him. Because David and Richard looked alike. Stevie was different. It bothered him a lot. My parents don't really care about me. Because I don't look like my two brothers. And that, that spilled over to, my teachers are always picking on me. Because all of his teachers had had David, and they also knew me coming up through the ranks. And they knew all of us. My teachers don't like me because I'm different. And he started making bad decisions in his life. David and I, we, I, I, made, I made the worst decision of all, but, but they didn't know that. <laughs> That's why it's a secret organization. You know? I kept it a secret. But Stevie started making really bad decisions because of the things he was telling himself that were not true. My parents loved him just as much as they loved David. I don't know about me, but, you know, <laughs> I was the mistake. But he told himself, and it started affecting his emotions. And he was very angry because no one cared about him. And then it started impacting his actions. By the time he was 16, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. He died when he was about 34, I think. Because he felt like he was an outcast. And he really wasn't. We loved him. But he never felt we did. Because of what he told himself. I, I think of Judas as Cariot, and I wonder, what kind of things were he, was he telling himself? I wonder what. Maybe if he really was the only one from another area, and he was looking... I, I could imagine him talking himself into this one. Well, you know, I'm the only one that does anything around here. I take care of the money. I'm the treasurer. I got to pay all the bills. I got to collect the money. I got to count the money. I got to carry the money. What's everyone else doing? I, 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 can, I can almost hear him thinking to himself, who is this Peter, James, and John anyway? They seem to be Jesus' favorites. 
They get to go up on the mountain with him. He's transfigured, or so they said. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't invited. I can hear that. You know, I've heard people in church say some of the same types of things. And they tell themselves these things. Nobody really cares about me. All this money I'm carrying around. I should get paid for this job. I mean, what are the other disciples doing that I'm not doing? I'm doing extra work around this joint. That's not fair. And he made some really bad decisions. We know one decision he made early on. He started stealing. What would bring someone to do that? To steal from a ministry. He had to have been telling himself some very bad things about what was going on. So how did Judas get to this place where he was really a trusted insider? He was the treasurer of the group. And yet he made the decision to betray his master. Whom I'm sure did nothing but love him. Remember, decisions made along the way made you who you are today. And that same principle goes for Judas. What if we were able to sit down and have tea with Judas and talk to him about where did these things come from, these thoughts, these emotions that caused you to act in such a way that you would betray your very master? We can see his actions. He's stealing from Jesus. He's stealing from the rest of the disciples. He's willing to betray Jesus, whom he has been following as a disciple. He has been learning from Jesus every day for the last three years. Oh, Mary learned from Jesus from time to time whenever Jesus would be in the area and stop by their home. But Judas, Judas was there every day and every night. And think about the stories that he could tell. Stories he could tell because he was there. Yeah. He was part of it. Right. You see, he did, it wasn't a matter of, well, you know, I don't know whether I really believe that Jesus did this or not. He saw it with his own eyes. Right. He right. saw Jesus feeding the 5,000. Right. He saw Jesus walking on the water. He saw Jesus casting out demons. Right. He saw Jesus calming right. the waves. Right. He saw Jesus healing lepers. Yeah. He saw Jesus opening the eyes of the blind. Yeah. He saw Jesus opening the ears of the deaf. He saw Jesus making a lame man walk. And he saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet, he made this decision. Judas and Mary, in many ways, were much the same. They had the same experiences. They knew the same stories. But Judas had that edge on Mary. He was an eyewitness. And yet, his decisions led to his destruction. Decisions made along the way made you who you are today. You weren't there for any of these things. You, you did not see any of these things that Jesus did. Neither did I. We weren't there. 
but yet we know the stories. Just as Mary heard them and she believed them and she made the right decisions about Jesus, you hear them. Decisions you make in the past, they, they've worked their way and they've made you who you are today. They really have. You are a result of these decisions that you have made. You are a result of the experiences that you have had. You're, you're unique. You're different from everybody else. And the interesting thing is, as long as you're alive, you're going to still keep making decisions. So tonight, tonight you still make decisions. You make a decision whether or not you are going to act like Mary and take these things you know about Jesus to heart. Or whether you're going to act like Judas. Oh, it would not be a big thing that you would do. Of course not. It wasn't a big thing that Judas started out with, I'm sure. A silver coin here, a couple there, that's all. They, they, they wouldn't miss it. And besides that, there'll be more offerings tomorrow. Jesus was always preaching. People were obviously giving him stuff. There'd be more tomorrow. No one's ever going to miss it. It's just a small thing. Just a small thing. But small things added up to the point where Judas was full of greed. He sees that, that perfume, that expensive perfume being poured out wasted on the master wasted because that represented money you could feed the poor with that money but but did he forget that Jesus didn't need money to feed the poor what about feeding the 5,000 he didn't have any money His bad decisions cloud, clouded his judgment until he was saying things that didn't even make sense. That was a ridiculous thing to say and be concerned about. This is Jesus we're talking about. He doesn't need the money. If he wants something done, he's God. He can do it. And what have you been doing the last three years, Judas? You've been walking with him and you've been watching him do it over and over and over and over again. And now you're talking nonsense. The good thing about decisions is as long as you're alive, you've got more decisions to make. And you get to choose. I made some really poor decisions in my younger years. But I strive to make good decisions to try to correct those bad decisions. Because decisions made along the way made you who you are today. As we approach the commemoration of the cross and the celebration of the resurrection, what decisions will you make this week for Christ? What decisions will you make?